Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 5th, 2015. Now, last week I mentioned that if, you're, if you think the life's becoming just too overwhelming with your daily feed of what's given to you as news, and all the horrors of what could be happening or what might happen, all the catastrophes that could happen and so on, switch off for a while and don't worry about it. Because if you go through all the different agencies that give you all the fear factors, you'll find it's been happening your whole darn life and to your parents as well, because that's how control is kept, is by keeping you in fear. And as I've mentioned so many times, someone who's abused will turn to the abuser for protection to quell all their fears uh, with when it's just too overwhelming. So understand, you're not the first generation to go through all of this. Those who think they've woken up really haven't. That's for the majority of those. They're following certain agencies that give them all their information and they're given various spins and so on, but they're never given all the facts involved and the agencies involved behind it all and the techniques as to how it works so well from ancient times to the present. We always look towards the strong man, who's generally the psychopath, to protect us. You see, now we have agencies and governments full of them because that's who gets to the top in a psychopathic system, especially when money is the key factor for controlling everything. Everyone's dependent upon it. You're given no choice whatsoever. And psychopaths go to where the power is. And when power comes through money, that's where they head for, you see. They claw their way up. They're vicious. They're also clever if they come from the right, that would say social classes and so on. Or, or, or strata, social strata, but what they really mean is a class system, of course, because they're protected more if they're in the upper middle class families or above, because anything they do in their teenage years, which are psychopathic, is covered over as simp- simply juvenile or teenage, you know, uh, energy, super energy, that kind of thing. So they get off with it, and since daddy and mummy generally can pull the strings, uh, to get them off, then that's what happens. They're shielded from the problems of the lower class psychopaths. So remember, you get them in all strata. If you're born into a higher uh, well-off system uh, and parents and so on, you, you'll find that you'll learn the cultural norms, even if you don't understand them, because you don't actually feel the emotions of them, but you know it works in everyone else. You become a better psychopath, you see. You're put into the better schools where you can't fail either. That's, that's a fact as well, folks. It happens in all, again, social strata of universities. You can't fail depending on uh, on daddy and mummy and all the rest of it and uh, who knows the dean and who gives them grants to the universities. So uh, it's a psychopathic system that runs us. And it really has been for an awful, awful long time. Once we left the old tribal system and introduced money at the same time, then the head chief could then keep his family line going and, and employ as many mercenaries as he wants, even under, oh, it's really a government army, it doesn't matter what they call it, and quell any, any people who tried to throw them over uh, and out of the tribe. And it's been that way ever since. With the advent of all the sciences and all your tax money that's, that's actually gone into all the studies, they're done on you, <laughs> so they can understand your behavior better and manipulate it all. It's, it's been on the go for such a long time, the scientific indoctrination we get and scientific observation. Now it's completely with internet, cell phones and all the rest of it. So 
everyone's profiled and they enable themselves to be profiled by thinking that somehow they're so smart that nothing will ever be used against them down the road and nothing is further from the truth. Therefore, understand what's happening. If you understand what's happening and realize that you're not the first generation to understand uh, what's happening, um, uh, then it makes it much easier. Other folk in previous generations, there was always a few who understood from, from childhood. Who so many, many simply rebel. They don't understand why. They know it's all wrong. They rebel. They sometimes turn anger inwards. They'll drink themselves to death or uh, drug themselves to death. If they had information provided when they're young, they'd understand why things are happening, why the system is the way it is, why the culture is the way it is too, because every culture is planned for every generation. It's planned culture. There's no separate culture industry and separate government and so on. Everyone's a product to an extent of the culture industry, which is essential for a psychopath at the top to control uh, societies. It's more evident in the U.S. where, with with incredible indoctrination to the flags and the symbols and so on, they can convince the public of anything. And look at all the Pentagon-sponsored movies that are out there on war and all the rest of it. It's just quite fascinating to see how well it works. Remember that worked in ancient Rome too, uh, with the culture to be a man, you had to join the legion, and you had to go off and fight the wars. And you had little trade-offs in those days because you could steal and have some booty, as they called it, plunder. You could keep for yourself now and then. But uh, essentially that was what a man was supposed to be, always fighting expansionist wars for your masters. And the Roman system went in and, and expanded its empire, introduced the money system to the countries that didn't have it, then taxed it from them and made sure they all had to use the monetary system. They couldn't just barter anymore and be self-sufficient. That's the first thing that must go, is self-sufficiency. Uh, therefore, you have to earn money to, get, to pay the taxes, or else in the Roman days they simply cut your throat. Uh, today it's more sophisticated, of course, but it's the same technique, because... The Roman system itself eventually went under because eventually, with all the massive taxes from all their empire flooding in to keep a, a, a tiny elite in the middle of Rome living in prosperity, incredible prosperity, they still ran out of taxes. It's always the same story. Because even the Roman elite, you know, borrowed from private bankers. And they have many names of who they were and where they came from, and often it wasn't Rome itself. So the system of money... Uh, sponsoring psychopathic ambitions uh, is very, very, very old. It goes together. One goes with with the other always. It's never, ever separate. And right to the present day, it's the same thing. Britain went under too because it's, it spent so many centuries borrowing money from private moneylenders and for their, their wars, putting the populations down as a guarantors to pay off the, the debts by taxation and taxing them. And eventually uh, it ran out of steam. It's like someone who ends up with emphysema and they can't even get a breath in or a breath out properly. Uh, That's what happens in expansionist psychopathic systems. And um, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed regardless of who apparently is the dominant character uh, playing the game in your nation or your empire or the opponent's empire, it's all the same system.
Now, back in the 90s, I came out and said that people should stop beating themselves on the head uh, with anxiety and anger and frustration, not knowing why this goes on and on and on. And I said I didn't come out to be a cheerleader for the masses. Most of the people in the mass will go along with any system they're given. They're the followers of the psychopathic system. In fact, they're happy to try and emulate, however uh, futilely, the ones at the top, regardless of their, again, their social strata or class that they happen to belong to. Because you want to be a winner, that's always put out. You're a winner, you're awfully successful. It's better than being a loser and you despise those down beneath you. That's always the psychopathic system. You'll see it in tyrannies of even the 20th century, where generals are always, uh, who are psychopathic themselves, uh, cluster around the top psychopath. And they ad- a psychopath can only admire a more cunning and vicious psychopath. They literally grovel to them. And they want that position too. But they never try and get it and, and grab it themselves. So, but they, they will obediently serve the master and they'll beat the, 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 the rank beneath them all the way down. That's how it works in a psychopathic system. Uh, when they don't use overt tyranny, they use the capitalist system which is all the same thing, by the way. Fascists, capitalists, communists, it's all the same honchos to get to the top. All based on materialism. And in the capitalist system, it's empire uh, restructuring under the guise of peacekeeping. That's beautiful, isn't it? How it can be disguised by the, the use of terminology. They learned that a long time ago, too. How you could literally alter terminology. That's what law is all about. Altering the meaning of terminology to make something more acceptable to the populace. And it works awfully, awfully, awfully well. We don't send soldiers anywhere. We send peacekeepers to go off and expand empires. Again, there's always a good reason to give you, you see. But it's never the real reason. There's always a good reason for the people and a real reason. And the real reason, of course, is expansionist capitalism, where people who run your countries, the top corporate groups, bankers, corporations, and everything else, they're all tied together, by the way, at the top, often intermarried, expand all their enterprises uh, under the guise of going over there to preserve peace in one country or another. And they run the media, therefore they can always tell you the propaganda at home as to, well, here's the reason we're going over there, to stop them fighting each other or to stop them or, or to bring civilization to them, etc. Uh, they've used every excuse under the sun. Today it's awfully sophisticated, of course, because most folk do believe what authorities tell them. And that's a key, too, uh, in behavioral sciences and the nudge programs and the neuroscientists involved and all these things. Masses of them today, massive profession, well paid, of course, because they work for governments and so on, to make sure that they train and update the population almost instantaneously when a new agenda comes forth. You see, you're taught, here's the politically correct way, the authoritarian way to, to say something to them. They'll obey the authoritarian voice, the familiar face on television, giving them the news, and they'll believe it, you see. They won't question it. That's, that's what most people go by. That's always been that way. That's why they keep anchors, well-known anchor people on television, and actually make them star profiles by lots of propaganda and interviews and so on, to make them into what you think in your mind is a star. 
and a, and a, a kind of daddy figure who'd never lied to you. And they keep them and, and until they're tottering off their seats because they're so darned old, uh, because you've grown up with them, and that's awfully important, you see. We follow what's called the stars. It's an old occultic term to following the stars. You're taught to follow the stars, so they create stars. Creating a star could take anybody, uh, give them a little bit of of acting uh, lessons, deportment and so on, and train them to be authoritarian the way they put things over, very confident, assertive and so on, and then give them a massive build-up in the press and get lots of publicity everywhere till in your mind they become a star. It's no different from creating an actor for entertainment. Or indeed, the, the new uh, musician or artiste in music, whatever it happens to be, and the heartthrob uh, for, for the, the male heartthrob for the females, and the extroverted young slut that's the end thing today for the females. It's all controlled and discussed at the top, not just by the culture industry, because uh, top guys who also own governments uh, own them both, you see, and they must approve or disapprove, yeah, this is the way to go. And the myriads of, again, behavioral scientists, psychologists, neuroscientists, all involved in keeping uh, the system going and directing the future at all times. People follow the stars, they emulate the stars, regardless of, again, their social strata or class, and they emulate the behaviors which you put across as being, oh, oh, you know, exhibitionist or the end thing, trendy, popular, the popular, don't you want to be the popular person? At school, in college and so on, the popular, the child was supposed to be. And unfortunately, the mass of people, the bulk of them will emulate that and be totally blackmailable throughout their whole lives forever now with the social media. That's part of the intention of it, of course, too. So there's always a war going on, and it's not the ones that are across the seas that bother you, it's the ones internally because it's always upon you to do with your behavioral updates, your conditioning, your, the monitoring of you, where you know it or not, or even care or not, and to make sure that you're the product. See, you are the product, not the iPhone, not the, not the internet. You are the product that all these things enable you to be. And you're designed that way. Some folk, the few, as I say, who understand very early on when they're young, uh, depending on their temperament as well, uh, they can understand it and not cave in and collapse under under the, the, the fear of all. But they understand it. If you understand things, as I say, it should not cripple you. It's not you, sh- you shouldn't let anything cripple you mentally. Because remember, too, since it's a war, they want the casualties. The casualties they want are the ones who could be people who are thinkers and speakers of facts down the road. They don't want that. They'd rather those ones, when they're young, literally uh, whack their brain on drugs and booze and all the rest of it. Then they're, they're, they're out of the picture. They're no problem. They're disabled. So for those who are young, and I said back in the 90s that I'm only looking for the ones, the few, who are turning in themselves rather than looking for getting the facts, understanding the facts, so they don't punish themselves or destroy themselves in the process. That's more important. You can't stop the general 
TV uh, population, the ones who are always viewing and, and, and soaking everything up that's put out, out for them, which they think is entertainment. They think they're in charge of it. They think they're in charge of their own minds. But that's not the purpose of entertainment. It's a very, <laughs> it's completely weaponized. Completely. It doesn't matter what the storyline is, the hook to get you in to watch the rest of it. It's all the messages you get along the way. It's so important. And understand why it works, how it's worked. You're not the first generation it's worked on. And you won't punish yourself the same way. You become much, much stronger, uh, more self-confident and assured, self-assured. A few of them, of course, the psychopathic ones will catch on quickly, the streetwise ones, and they'll want to get up there themselves. That happens too, you see. So I don't speak to the, I speak to the ones who are trying to punish themselves because everything's just as they see it wrong. They're suffering from the fallout of the destruction of the family unit, but it was all intentional. What is a family today is portrayed through Hollywood in certain movies, especially the new ones, more and more so they show you that they're all dysfunctional. No one's talking to anybody. The guy's a wimp. The mother's going off and having affairs, and everybody's chatting on the internet to look for affairs, and their children are all putting out their little porn things across the net as well. Uh, That's all intentional. Everybody must be an open book. And if you're not an open book, they want to destroy you by other methods, preferably having you destroy yourself. Don't do that. Keep information in your mind, And don't be hysterical about it. Be calm about it. It's your life. And an old saying too, which goes through a lot of occultic themes and all the rest of it, it doesn't matter where it came from. The fact is it's true. You are only in charge of yourself. The only person you can be certain of influencing and in control of as much as possible in this system is yourself. Don't think it's a personal challenge that your ego must take on everybody else's ego and defeat them till they are a clone of you. That's called tyranny. That's how tyrants act and work, you see. And you'll destroy your, yourself in the process because you've got to accept the fact that it's not your job to make, you can't make people change. You have enough work to do on yourself, believe you me. And if you meet people along the way who are asking questions, then you answer them as carefully, I mean carefully, as possible. Not like some mad nutter that lives 24 hours a day listening to various shows that that terrify you, terrify you, terrify you. It sounds like a raving nutcase with pressure of speech the way they deliver it and so on and, and hysteria. That's not how you put things across. To teach anyone, you must be patient, considerate, and careful, and don't don't give them a whole library of information. But it seems disjointed and unrelated the way it's put across, deliberately, I believe, by many of the things you listen to. You go go through things in a careful order, because you're 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 showing some. It's like any kind of teaching is the same way. You must stay on the same topic for a while, the same particular topic for a while. And you'll be surprised to find that the person, when they, when they hear and start to understand that topic, will start thinking on other things for themselves for the first time. Now, when you touch some stories now, which are 
important to show you the techniques as well. There's no point just throwing out stories. You've got to understand how it's done, why it's done, and the techniques used behind them all and their goals and so on. There's nothing in mainstream that isn't carefully selected, worked over, and in order to put it across to you to make sure that you get what authority says is the right understanding, the authorized understanding of the topic. And this one is again to do with the bill C-51, it's called in Canada, which is much the same as the British bill. We're having the same bills across uh, the five highest countries and so on. The ones that are all part and have been since at least World War II, uh, the, the, the empire system, all pushing for global empire and domination, etc., to keep the peace and, and so that when and again too they even teach in the war schools in the British Empire systems which is still an empire by the way uh, and it's not British it's, it's, but regardless it doesn't matter uh, this whole idea of empire was said that they get taught as an officer's training that the, the, the war can only be eradicated when there's, there are no more uh, nations nations must be eradicated and global governance now they call it governance because many agencies are involved in governance, private ones too, uh, to make sure that there be no that we have eternal peace. You won't have this friction. You see, this is the, the, the excuse and con of all, and it's nothing to do with the truth because the truth is, with psychopaths rule at the top anyway, they must always turn then on those internally. You're seeing a bit of that with different bills that get passed through all from Britain and different countries and so on. And is again to take away freedoms from people to give the rulers the supposed um, open right of spying on everyone to keep you all safe. You see, that's how it's done. Now, here's one here. It's just called Diane Ablonzi in Canada. Uses air quotes, such for quotation marks, to put their fingers up and so on, while discussing rule of law, Bill C-51. Uh, it's coming in Canada, you see, I think it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty well done deal. But it says, Dan Ablonzi, or Ablonzi, has an interesting way of talking about the rule of law and fundamental justice. The Conservative MP was taking part in her view of Bill C-51, her party's controversial anti-terror legislation, and a meeting of the Standing Committee on Public Safety and National Security Tuesday. She uh, addressed an amendment to the bill, Proposed by the Green Party, you know, they're all, I, I don't believe in any of the parties, to be honest, that took inspiration from recommendations by the Canadian Bar Association. And I'm sure the CBA, Canadian Bar Association, is part of the, the British Bar Association and all the other ones and so on. And it says, here's some of the remarks that she made in the committee. Uh, here are some of them. The Green Party wants to throw some other things into the mix. And now the judge has to also consider, in addition to the charter, and the, the Canadian Security Intelligence Service Act, they have to consider something like rule of law. That's like quotation marks. They have to consider things like principles of fundamental justice, whatever that is. Again, quotation marks. Ablonzi used air quotes with her fingers when she mentioned rule of law and principles of fundamental justice. Because understand, go back to these of Plato, uh, Plato said there is no justice, but for the people's sake, there must be the appearance, only, only appearance of justice. It's never, it's never changed. It says we, we can't help but wonder where we've seen that gesture before. 
Hablonzi may not have been trying to be dismissive of the concepts of rule of law and fundamental justice. She's a former lawyer herself, well, naturally. But run by lawyers, armies of them. But she nevertheless objected to them being used as additional barriers that judges have to bypass when authorizing the Canadian Security Intelligence Service to violate charter rights in the name of reducing security threats. Sections 12.13 and, and 21.1 of the bill prevent Canada's spy agency from doing so unless they've obtained a warrant. The CBA recommended that the bill be changed so that those sections conformed with the fundamental role of Canada's judiciary in upholding the rule of law and Canada's constitutional guarantees. This aspect of the proposed bill is at odds, she says, with the role of the courts and the judiciary system, association wrote in a submission. Canada's judges are charged with upholding the rule of law and Canada's constitution against unlawful state action. They should not be conscripted by the state to limit charter rights. But Ablonzi disagreed with the CBA, saying that such an amendment would put action pretty much at a stalemate and it was struck down at its committee, it says here. Now, you know, many Canadians won't even be thinking about this, this kind of thing. They don't, most folk don't reason through what's happening or even think it affects them in any way. That's the perfectly conditioned citizen, the television viewer who believes in the mainstream um, professional news announcers, again, that they've grown up with and have been in for years. And it never dawns on them they could be lied to very cleverly too, and using a lot of sophistication. It never occurs to them at all. Why? Why? Should, and after all, I mean, when you're born in naivete, why would you ever think that they're out to get you in some way? Or nasty things are happening. Why? Why would you? Are you taught that at school? No. And then you have this article about the same thing. Elizabeth May Greens say Bill C fifty one is still dangerous, despite. Conservative, which is called Tory amendments. And it's a conservative plan to amend the federal anti terrorism bill hasn't squelched opposition to the sweeping security legislation. A handful of proposed government amendments to be presented Tuesday haven't alleviated Green Party Elizabeth May's concern about what she calls a dangerous and undemocratic bill. May said she plans to present five dozen amendments when the House of Commons Public Safety Committee begins examining the 62-page bill clause by clause. Seven leading human rights groups, including Amnesty International, Canada, and the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, issued a joint statement Monday calling on government to withdraw the legislation. Now, this is what was discussed back in the early 1900s of what democracy would be legislated as with the rulers of the, the, the empire system of his day, the empires, that eventually it'll be parties that are authorized by those who own the system. And and you'd also have, on behalf of the public, the appearance of people who would speak for you. And so you have Amnesty International Canada authorized and by the United Nations, which the rulers of London and the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the private organization, CFR, Created That's the whole idea They created the IMF The Bank for International Settlements For the Global Society 
the central banking system that must be put in for even one for Europe. And their members, these private members, all drafted the bills for NAFTA and for the European Union. So here they have the, the ones for the public, supposedly, run by this, authorised again by the same group, to speak on behalf of you, you know, the silent majority, because most of the silent majority are watching porn or something else, you see, or Fifty Shades of Grey, which is next best thing. You don't vote for these groups either, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, made up of more lawyers and so on, uh, Amnesty International, Canada, which is awfully selective in who it, it decries, and if they turn blind eyes many times to countries where your countries are involved in torture abroad in different places. So they're a, they're a very um, controlled group themselves. So you really have no one to stand up for you. You see, that's what I've been saying all along. You have to stand up for yourself. That's all you can do. It says the NDP and Liberals have also called for changes to protect civil liberties and improve oversight of security agencies. And who are conservative ministers appearing before a Senate committee Monday made it clear the government has no plans to create a full-fledged National Security Committee or parliamentarians like the ones in Britain and the United States. Well, they don't have to because they already have them, quietly, you see. The government bill drafted in response to the murders of two Canadian soldiers last October would give the Canadian Security Intelligence Service more power to thwart suspected terrorist plots, not just gather information about them. It's not just to do with terror. It's total... It's giving them... Well, they already have the right to spy on everybody, and they do it all the time. I've had many, many whistleblowers over the years come out and tell you all this stuff and lots of information about it. But this is to give them the legal right to do it. But it sounds better, for again, for the silent majority. Oh, well, it's a legal thing, you know. It's, it's legally authorized, and it's, it's a psychological trick. Yes, it allows ceases to violate the Charter of Rights and Freedoms with a judge's permission, expand the sharing of federal and security information. To whom? Broaden no-fly list powers and create a new criminal offence of encouraging someone to carry out a terrorism attack. Now, for instances in Britain, the States and Canada of secret agencies your internal secret agencies' attempts in the past to create radicals, put out their own spies to encourage the radicals, even give them explosives, even though they're generally dummy, and then, in other words, sting operation, they create the thing, and then they come in and arrest them and say, hey, we're caught a bunch. Would these young guys have even got together if they hadn't had someone trained in psychology, with an outgoing personality, very confident, and generally of their own race, because you generally hire ones from, from these particular ethnic communities and put them into your own security agencies to create stings. So here you have these things to create a new criminal offense of encouraging someone to carry. Well, shouldn't you, you, be, you arrest those who create the, the groups in the first place? and encourage someone to carry out a terrorism attack. Doesn't that apply to the ones that carry out the stings? It doesn't take much to pick it apart, does it? Or to use some logic here. So it's nothing to do with that, and obviously it's got something to do with, with what they're already doing on you. 
and to expand their powers and act on their powers of knowing all about you. And nothing to do with terrorism. So in addition, the bill would make it easier for the RCMP to obtain a peace bond to restrict the movements of suspects and extend the amount of time they can be kept in uh, preventative detention. That's the name now for throwing the key away. And no court case comes to light. Again, the use of terminology, something that used to be thought of as a horrific thing that kings and queens did in the past across Europe, where they'd throw folk in, in the slammer forever. They didn't see a magistrate or a judge or anybody because they had no power at all. Power is the, uh, the system. As it's slams you in, inside the, the, the hole, never to see the light of day again often, then that's what they did. Now it's called preventative detention. doesn't sound so terrible, does it? It's put in, inside a, a, a dungeon with no lighting, generally, or maybe four inches of light, and the water coming through the walls and everything else. I keep saying that nothing has changed in a psychopathic system down through the ages. Just a terminology, which is more, you know, it's, it's, it's more user-friendly, the terminology. Sources have told the Canadian press that government plans to use four charges to clarify or curtail elements of the bill, including an assurance that information-sharing powers do not apply to protesters who demonstrate outside the letter of the law. Now, in other words, they want to make sure that their authorized protesters, the different parties I mentioned earlier, the, the NGOs, who are authorized, because they're, they're always pushing for cultural changes to make things worse. You know? uh, so they must, they need them. So they're going to make sure they put uh, something in there to, so that they can't be arrested and put in a slammer forever. Because they're, they're a tool. But the amendments do not remedy several key concerns of opposition members of parliament and rights advocates. The reality is this bill will make us left safe, May told the news conference. She denounced that the legislation as vague, badly drafted and ultimately dangerous garbage. The National Democratic Party and the Green Party plan to vote against it, while the Liberals intend to support the bill, despite their desire to see changes. Uh, and so on and so on it goes. Um, there also talk here about um, this is Liberal Senator Colin Kenny reminded Mackay that he once supported the idea of a committee of security cleared parliamentarians who would be entrusted with secret material as a means of better monitoring spies. Mackay said his thinking had evolved on the issue, particularly with regard to the danger of leaks. As says here. Now here's a little thing that ties in with the CC. Britain had that all through the Cold War of selected parliamentarians, generally the House of Lords, and I guess in other countries would be the Senate, uh, that supposedly were given all this data, this secret data. And it was so blatant as to what they really did, these particular individuals, during the Cold War, because they all got the first dibs, because they understand where the government's going to invest money to do the, the war, the Cold War, and the missile industry and so on that they were, had massive shares in them. Some of them even owned them. So much so that even documentaries, or even, even dramas that came out afterwards, actually showed you the scams that they did 
oh, the Russians have got a better missile. We're all in danger. And the, the, this person would get first dibs information in the private secret hearings. And um, he'd be off to, to his company and, you know, oh, yeah. But God, he, he's how he put it across. This, this will be even faster and better, uh, anti-missile missile. Uh, they'll defeat that one and, and we'll get them to push that and, and lobby for that. And so on and so on. Nothing changes. Today, it's all the guys who are involved in all these secret things for governments have the massive shares or their, their, their corporate owners too off all the security equipment that's spying you and everything else. Massive money. Anyway, this is for matters of national security. It says, Mackay said, I'm concerned about the handling of sensitive information that could literally put a person's life at risk. Mackay and Blaney praised the Security Intelligence Review Committee, the civilian body that reports to Parliament on CSIS's activities, and so on and so on. So it's a done deal, and regardless of, of, of what they'll tell you, they're simply legitimizing all the things they've been doing all along the way without telling you. But they like things themselves to be, you know, quote, officially legal. So they simply pass a law and make it legal, you see. Remember before kidnapping was illegal, but now when you want to kidnap someone, whisk them off in our country and torture them, or even within your own country, it's called extraordinary rendition. Again, this kind of confusing, user-friendly marketing PR that they use. So as the folk don't get the same terrible connotations of torture and fear and horror, you know. It works awfully well. And then... A little article, too, to show you that Canada's the same as every other country, because we're on the same bus, in other words, every country's on the same bus, on the same road, with the same systems, because it is the same system, with the same bankers lending to the to governments and so on, and corporate um, uh, CEOs and that, who are all just simply, again, members of the same big banking corporations, regardless of the corporation that they're put in charge of. After 50 years of the Canadian pension plan, we've run off course. Now, they've been saying this for years. They're only about 30 years behind Britain, I think, because it was never intended that all this money was to get put in at this vast in, in pool of money, meaning by law that you must pay for the right to work, you know. You must pay. Um, it's going, they're going to use, someone uses, you see, and it's all private corporations that use it, uh, massive money that you use. There's now a massive fund and they invest it, and they skim off the, the gold at the top, and you're given the dross at the bottom. Everything's got another a real reason, and the, for you, they give the good reason. Well, that's good enough for you to believe here's a real reason. So this article goes on about, um, oh, Lester Pearson was a remarkable Canadian. We first came to know him as a proficient global statesman, skilled in the diplomacy of multilateralism. He assisted at the birth of the United Nations, invented the concept of peacekeeping, again, terminology changes, see, and won the Nobel Peace Prize. Well, so did a whole bunch of people who were involved in slaughter across the planet. In 1963, he became Prime Minister of Canada. Now, we're not telling you here is Lester Pearson, I was also a member of the, the big Royal Institute of International Affairs in the Canadian branch, Canadian for, it was a branch of um, uh, Foreign Affairs, which is the Royal Institute of International Affairs, for globalism. 
run by top bankers and everything, who pushed communism. And Lester Pearson, with some other diplomats from Canada and especially Ontario, uh, were quite honest about their ambition. They, they said uh, when they were setting up the United Nations, and they worked with Alger Hiss, who, who became a convi- uh, convicted communist eventually, uh, but they, they were pushing the, all the communist globalist agenda. And communism has nothing to do with what your taught is, believe you me. Even the followers are con silly. Uh, it was never the intention to, to, for the workers to be equal. And so never, never, ever the intention. It was always for the scientific or an elite intellectually to rule the world. Properly, you see. Properly. And it's never changed. The techniques are still used, and they don't call them communism today. But anyway, Lester Pearson it was quite blatant about the fact that they were creating uh, the beginnings of a system to create global government, you see. Technically, they were traitors of their day. <laughs> when you'd fought supposed massive enemies in a massive war, World War Two, and before that, World War One, uh, to keep your, your nation and your culture and your way of life, which is an awful joke, but that's what they push in times of war. Look at Britain now. Anyway, uh, and look at Canada. It's the same thing. We've got masses of debt and all the rest of it. But it says, so he was getting all, all, all these accolades, this Lester Pearson. Since five years in the job, Mr. Pearson never once had a majority in Parliament, and that shows you who put him in. But still, he led one of the most productive governments in Canadian history. And it goes into celebrate the 50th anniversary of Canada's red maple leaf flag, one of Mr. Pearson's proudest accomplishments. And next year will mark the 50th anniversary of National Medicare, another Pearsonian legacy. And this week, the legislation that originally created the Canada Pension Plan will turn 50 years old. It passed the House of Commons on March 2965, was approved in the Senate on April the 1st, and received royal assent on April the 3rd. And that's, that's your April Fool joke, eh? Approved in the Senate on April 1st. And it says the CPP and its Quebec counterpart came into effect January the 1st, 1966. Now, what they'll tell you is an excuse for things going all wrong, but not in this article. But generally what they'll tell you is, well, we, we based all this on the, on the prospect after World War II that, that gross national product would always go up and up and up and up, you see. And so there'd always be lots of money, a massive taxation base with larger wages and larger taxes to pay for the pensions, uh, to pay those folk who were retiring and whose pensions themselves are going to a big slush fund that was then privately funded across the world and into investments. You see, with, with, with the same idea that every country it was invested in would be on a win-win situation forever and ever and ever with this gross national product always going up, 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 up. Something that no, no time in history has ever been true for any length of period. So this is the story here. This is the plot of this. After this week, legislation that originally created the, the Canada Pension Plan will turn 50 years old, passed the House of Commons and so on. So the stated purpose of the Canada Pension Plan was to ensure all working Canadians have an opportunity to retire in dignity. It builds on basic old age security to achieve greater social justice linked to progress in the economy. As you know, since that time, the dollar has been devalued 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. So the purchasing power is nowhere near what that dollar invested 50 years ago is. And it's spent long ago, by the way. But big returns come into the the corporations that run the slush funds and so on. And a little bit trickles back into the where it's supposed to go. Established by federal provincial agreement, the CPP is a mandatory contribution plan to which all employees and employers pay regular premiums. Mandatory contribution plan. You're not allowed to. In other words, don't you worry about it. We'll take money off you by law and you better pay it if you want to work or you can't work. And, and we'll take that money and when you retire, you can live in dignity. Since the money is invested to generate the returns necessary to cover the plan's benefits That was the con As such, the CPP contributions are essential long-term investments In portable retirement incomes for a large portion of Canadians Supporting their future living standards That sounds like common sense today And they go into the reasons why by the they put it through And it says it was an historic accomplishment but by the 1990s, it was before this actually, with longer life expectancy, so they're blaming you for it, you see. <laughs> Aging demographics and escalating unfunded liabilities. Those had arisen about the future assignments of the Canada Pension Plan. Would it run out of money? Was investment strategy getting adequate returns? Were the benefits supportable? Was the administration strong, efficient and independent? The plan clearly required major renovations to save it, and that would take federal-provincial consensus, which is always hard to get. As part of a multi-pronged effort to restore fiscal integrity to the Government of Canada, then-Federal Finance Minister Paul Martin Jr. decided to tackle the CPP challenge. He found a key ally in the Provincial Treasurer of Alberta, Jim Dinning, Ontario, Finance Minister Ernie Eves, was also helpful. Together they built the business case, the social consensus, and the national momentum to rejuvenate the CPP. It's an interesting historical footnote that saving the plan earned strong support across Canada, except for the provincial NDP governments and for uh, British Columbia and Saskatchewan, and so on. Today, CPP ranks as, one, as only a handful of successful public pension plans worldwide. Its administration is competent and cost-effective. It's distinct fund independently managed by whom? According to investment policies that are free from political interference It has a proven track record as an international leader in the pension industry Generating world-class rates of return What's get world-class? What is that? What's world-class rates of return? You're talking about, about part of the world, you know India? What, what, where? doesn't tell you I mean, these, this money you pay in is, is, in, is lent out, lent out, lent out. That's what investments are. And massive returns on very high interest lending to other countries and so on and different corporations down through the years. Uh, uh, it does generate a lot of money. It's reinvested over and over and over again and lent out, lent out, lent out. But you who pay it in get very little at the end of all. The cream always goes off the top. But anyway, it says external actuaries have recently judged the CPP to be sound and secure for another 75 years. No, that's, that's a joke, that one. It says because it's been neglected for the past nine years, CPP is, is, is now laboring under one major limitation. The maximum regular benefit a contributor can receive 
It's just over $12,000 per year. Well, that, that was not bad 50 years ago, right? We're talking about the present day. $12,000 a year. It says, now the average a person gets is actually just more than half that, $6,000 a year. These amounts are far from sufficient to ensure retirees can maintain their, here's the purpose, the quality of life without other significant savings. And then it says, but the typical 35-year-old today is saving less than half of what their parents did at that age. That's because the, the spending power of their bucks and 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 opportunities for work now with globalization and all the rest of it and deindustrialization are gone. And that, and, and your dollar's worth darned all. How many cups of coffee could you buy 50 years ago? Huh? For a dollar. How many would you get for a dollar 50 years ago? How many can you, you can't get any in the day up here in Canada? Three quarters of those working in the private sector don't have access to an employer-sponsored pension plan. That's because they're done away with all their industry and everything else that, and they used to uh, sponsor again pension plan. And of those who are within 10 years of retirement, fewer than one-third have $100,000 or more set aside to sustain themselves. Another third have no retirement savings at all. Is, is this a big shock? For all the experts, is it really? Oh, come on. This, is, this article is a joke. Because I say in Britain 30 years ago, they were saying these pension plans and all that are a big, big racket for those who do all the investing and lending out. And they get their returns and give so much back. Very little back. It was never intended to. to uh, everything, again, has, you know, a good reason. And then it has, for the insiders, the real reason. But this this is an article there just to show you the cons that go on. And then and then within Canada, we're just going to tell you that, that you know, you'd be getting about six thousand dollars a year after paying into this pension plan for forty years or more. And they're up in the old age uh, retirement age and everything else, right? Because it's rather you die before you claim it. Uh, anyway, Canada's now going to launch airstrikes against ISIS in Syria within days it says. Canada will begin launching airstrikes against ISIS in Syria. That's just Al-Qaeda that was funded by the West to overthrow a lot of countries in the Middle East. So airstrikes against ISIS in Syria within days, the commander of Joint Task Force Iraq says. Bureau General Daniel Constable declined to give a specific date, but said the final details are being put into place before the Canadian military begins expanding its operations from Iraq into Syria. I think we're going to be a, a good. We're going to be good to go in reasonable short order. He says, "Well, that's very reassuring. That's right. That should be in a movie." That the Allies are excited about us getting Syria as well because of our capabilities. I love these terms he uses. Like, say, so, so this country is going to invade. Did you give authorization? No, no. You, you get no authorization for anything. But you're put down as, as responsible for it too. One day the House of Commons passed a Conservatives' motion to extend Canada's six-month mission against ISIS in Iraq for a year and expand operations to neighbouring Syria. Now, we're going to go back a little bit here. If you remember, 2001. And before 2001, the group that became the politicians during that era belonged also to the private group called 
the project for new American century. George Bush and all the rest of them, the Rumsfeld and Cheney, etc., etc., they all belonged to this group that that listed in the 90s the countries they wanted to take out across the Middle East. And they were called neocons because they were in league with Israel. And Israel came out with the same list. And they wanted Iraq taken out. They wanted uh, Libya taken out. They wanted uh, Iran taken out. And Syria taken out. They wanted all those countries taken out. Then the general Wesley Clark came out and said the same thing on a live interview in television. It's probably up on YouTube somewhere. So we're trying to use their, their Al-Qaeda bunch to do it, you see. But because people had a, enough people who watched this understood that Al-Qaeda was being armed through, through Qatar. They didn't call it Qatar for some reason, but it was called Qatar. And that was the base that all the money and the arms to, to arm them all were coming into from the West. And when, because we're complaining about that, or we've got a breakaway group, which is not, it was the same group, and then they called it ISIS. Which, by the way, the groups themselves don't call themselves ISIS. It's for your benefit to believe it is so. And they, they initially started attacking Syria, because the, the human cry from the West at that time, and Israel, and the States, and Britain, we've got to get rid of Assad. But they got bogged down. They couldn't take Syria and get rid of Assad. So then the U.S. was going to get more involved with troops and all that. And then Putin of Russia stepped in as a spokesman for, again, the world community. And says, hey, this is, a, this is old colonial empiricism going on here. Expansion. And that didn't sound good. And the whole world went there, kind of, you know, one of these quite guilty, you know, moods. And stepped back. And so rather than, than us getting involved physically with the troops, they created the ISIS to attack instead, you see. And it got bogged down. But now that, that, that ISIS couldn't get rid of Assad, they're back to the same rhetoric, we've got to get rid of Assad again. Because everybody on that list has to be taken out. It's very simple. They never change their tunes. Never, never. And so, really, from Gulf War One, the same agenda has been going on. Because this group created privately a long time ago in London, England, that puts its members into Parliament, and they've been Prime Ministers and so on, and the states that the same group puts their members in to become presidents for generations, have their world agenda there, and they own the media, and they're still on the go to do the same old things. So whenever they have a plan, they never back out of the plan. You might think they'll delay it for a while or change it. No, no, they go back to it, always get back to it, you see. Certainly, Canada's involved too, so there's going to be more blowback from, from this. And and again, too, uh, they know darn well once they start bombing uh, in Syria, and they're hoping for it, by the way. I'm sure agencies do this. They'll, they'll hope for it, blowback, because then they can further the agenda against then Syria as the enemy. 
and the folk from Syria living in Canada, perhaps, or elsewhere in the world, they'll start to get really ticked off. That's, that's the human response. If your old homeland is attacked, uh, you get ticked off. And this is, how they, this is why they create multiculturalism. They flooded Britain with, with uh, immigration from the 60s and some places then in the 70s stepped up in the 80s again. Boof. And so you had all the folk inside of the countries that you were going to attack down the road in the future. That way you can create martial law across all the countries and the general people, even the, even the traditional population, say, of Britain uh, would, would also have to go under the scrutiny. You couldn't make exceptions. Say, well, you're, you know, you're British for, for many generations. So, so that's how you begin martial law across everyone. If you didn't have them all in the country, people who could stand up and say, hey, that's our homeland you're attacking, you, wouldn't, you couldn't pass totalitarian laws across the whole nation. You couldn't do it. It's a chessboard, you see. So anyway, it's all part of the art of war, you see, and the techniques involved for long-term agendas that the public are never, ever given access to. An article tonight, too, is about you. You. Because they're always going to modify your behavior. You are the product of the culture industry, your education, which is in bed, by the way, with the culture industry. Everything must work all work together to create the you that they want, with the behavior that you want and the opinions that you want for the era that they, they want you to be in, and so on. But it's an article here to do with Behavioral Nudge Squad is called From the White House The White House Behavioral Nudge Squad Now that's, this is uh, what they have in Britain already they had it for years And it's behavioral scientists that work through on the, with the culture industry To give you almost subconscious nudges On what to do, what to think, how to behave and what to believe You are the crea- ultimate creation of what they give you What they feed you and it says here that the U.S. government is looking to recruit members for what some are calling a behavioral insights team. A panel of experts, and you've been trained that experts must be always right and, and real and, and, you know, expert at what they do. That's what they called experts, right? That will study human behavior so as to design public policies that work better. And this is through public relations from companies. This is what they'll tell you. Now remember, public relations is propaganda agencies. That's where public relations came from. Bernays used propaganda. He thought it was the right term to use, and he liked it. Uh, and public relations, again, came out later because it sounded more, again, user-friendly, more, more, more nice, rather than lying to you for, for a, a goal that you would even understand. So... Design public policies that work better, cost less, and help people achieve their goals. To help people achieve their goals. It's good to get brainwashed to achieve your goals. That, that, you know, According to a document describing the program, and I'll put the links up for that too. Actually, it's on this article anyway. You can see it yourself. The federal government is currently creating a new team that will help build federal capacity experiment with these approaches and to scale behavioral interventions that have been rigorously uh, evaluated using, where possible, randomized controlled trials. They've already used all these trials, they know they work. 
Actually, they've been using it for your whole life long. The team will be staffed by a 45 experts in behavioral science and experimental design and evaluation ads. It says foxnews.com was the first to obtain the, the report in the White House's Behavioral Insights Team memo. The document praises British Prime Minister David Cameron from implementing a similar behavioural insights. It's actually called behavioural modification over there. That's what it is, you see. Behavioural insights team in the UK claiming the group has advanced the priorities of British government while also saving at least £1 billion within the next five years. Well, I'll pay, you know, of this year's interest that they owe on loans. As uh, the document also shows the White House is already coordinating similar programs with federal agencies, including the Department of Health and Human Services and the Department of Agriculture. And they, they go out and tell you all the different agencies that they're working this through. And they've got Department of Labor, Department of Health and Human Services, Department of Education, naturally. They've always done it through education. Veterans Administration, Department of Treasury, Social Security Administration, Department of Housing and Urban Development, and the United States Department of Agriculture. Uh, Maya Shankar, a White House Senior Advisor on Social Behavioral Sciences, emailed a document to a university professor requesting he distribute to people interested in applying for the gig. Well, it's just a gig for them, right? document goes on to list job responsibilities for the central team. Now, believe you me, when they give some for the public's consumption, you're only seeing that, that they always give, there's always two things given out. One is the one for public consumption, and there's always the one for the agencies themselves. It's totally different. So this, this is the user-friendly one. Build capacity, work with a broad range of federal agencies to identify new program areas that would benefit from the application of behavioural insights. What about using it on the politicians themselves and test them for psychopathy? That would help us all. Help to design, implement and test the relevant interventions using rigorous experimental methods. Oh, so they use rigorous experimental methods on you. Enhance the capacity. That sounds good. That's user-friendly. Provide conceptual and technical support to agencies with specific behavioral insights efforts already. And convene and lead a multi-agency community of practice to identify and share promising practices and common challenges. Create and provide resources, generate tutorials and other how-to documents to help accelerate these efforts within agencies. Teachers get these things all the time on how to brainwash the children. They call them toolkits. Help inspire new ideas. Work with external partners to identify research findings that can inform policy and practice. However, some are leery of the Fed's new initiative. No kidding, eh? Such policies which encourage behavior subtly rather than outright require it have come to be known as nudges. Remember Sunstein? The term comes from the 2008 book titled Nudge by Cass Sunstein in Chicago Booth School of Business Professor Roger Taller. Sunstein was the Obama administrator's regulations are and is married to Samantha Power, Obama's new pick for U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, naturally. You know. So, now not, Cass Sunstein did not invent nudge. You've been getting this uh, your whole life long, these nudges through regular television shows, through school, in different ways. These use peer group pressure because the majority of the public, the mass, will encourage the person who's going to be a bit different 
to go along with them, with all their opinions and everything else. That's old news, actually. But they also do it through your internet. Oh, people like this and also like that, you know. And then you help them with all the data. You know, the folk who like this, take this off. Like, dislike. And they, yeah. <laughs> Rats in the laboratory. And folk, most folk are, and they don't know it. So, Cass and uh, Sunstein, former director of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs at the Office of Management and Budget. This is an associating the Fed's new behavioral insight initiative team with the term nudge isn't too far off. Indeed, as one professor who received the Behavioral Insights team email wrote with an email to his colleagues, anyone interested in working for the White House in a nudge squad, the UK has won, and it's been extraordinarily successful. So I'm very skeptical of a team promoting nudge policies. Utah State University professor Michael Thomason told foxnews.com. Ultimately, nudging assumes a small group of people in government know better about choices than the individuals making them, he added. Of course they do, because they want you to be a little clone through brainwashing and use all kinds of techniques on you. And most folk, again, will go along with the mass because they all want to be the same. And um, they understand all of this. Of course, he continued, the government doesn't always get it right. Darren Cruz, spokesman for the U.S. General Services Administration, weighed in on the issue. As part of the administration's ongoing efforts to promote efficiency and savings, GSA is considering adding some expertise from academia in the area of program efficiency and evaluation under its Performance Improvement Council. Uh, Here's the Behavioral Insights Team pitch, and I'll put the link up to it as well. And that's what it is. This is the, this is the, the exoteric pitch they give you for you to understand how it's all when you put on you. It's already getting used on you all the time. And many, I could do a hundred hours on it quite easily. So you, see, you understand the greatest enemy of any mass system run by psychopaths as a person who can think for themselves, who's not, who, who hasn't been critically wounded mentally through growing up life experiences. That's the greatest, the greatest threat they have of all. So much so that Bertrand Russell, who helped design the system that you're now living through today and the whole degradation of the culture that you were to get brought through on the way and, and the changing of, of, of all the gender stuff, all done 50 years ago, the, the, the planning, actually longer than that, by people who are now dead. Long-term strategy planning and implementation. Using all these techniques that are claiming are new sciences, which is a big joke. So, remember, you are a product of it to an extent. When you see people who will not listen, can't listen, who are completely at odds with everything you say, it's because they're conditioning, they're nudging, and all their conditioning work together to produce what you're looking at, that person. Perfect conditioning. But they themselves think they've made their own mind up on everything. That's how beautiful it all is. It's fascinating, actually. But anyway, that's just a little bit of news. Don't panic over it. Don't f- cripple yourself by sweating over it. If you're in charge of your own mind, you will see through all these things yourself. 
And because of that, you're, you do have a firewall on your mind. Most folk don't. For them, the mind has no firewall. It's up to you. And for those who can handle it, you can dig deeper. Don't go fanatically crazy and digging into it forever and ever until you're like a mind depressive. Simply take what you can handle at a time at a time and do a lot of thinking. Believe it or not, thinking requires something called, which is really taboo, and that's why they don't give it to you these days. They don't like it because it helps you a lot. It's called silence. Turn everything else off. All the data you want to think about is in your mind already. You go over it and peruse it in your mind. Your mind's awfully good at sorting and categorizing things out for you, cataloging thing, things. So use your mind. What a gift it is to have a mind. Why do you think there's so many powers in the world all trying to destroy it and rob you of your mind? Think about that. Anyway, from Hamish, myself, from a still winter, uh, northern Ontario, Canada, this good night. May your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>